You know, I think a lot of times we are so comfortably uncomfortable doing the same old thing. Our brains are not designed to make us happy. Our brains are not designed to help us find our passion and purpose. They're designed to keep us safe and keeping that same old boring job, staying in that, you know, dead end relationship, having that threesome with Ben and Jerry's and not working on your health and well-being. We're safe. But in stepping outside, that, that is a little scary. So a good way to connect with your passion purpose, get started, is start to do some things that scare you. And maybe that means like you go on a roller coaster ride or you, you know, jump off a cliff into water or you, you know, book a trip on a vacation. You got to start somewhere and get unstuck. And, and that will help to open doors for what's next for you. Hello, my name is Wing and welcome to A Work In Purpose, the podcast for you to discover and ignite your purpose by hearing inspiring stories of how people have found their purpose in life and their insights and tips on how you can find yours too. When we think of the midlife period of our lives, we often associate it with a crisis, that it is all downhill from there. But does that have to be the case? Are there things you could be doing, leading up to, or during our midlife to flip the script upside down and thrive within our purpose instead? Our latest guest this episode, Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, is here to tell us how we could do just that. Dr. Ellen is the author of the upcoming book, Rock Your Midlife, 7 Steps to Transform Your Life and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Dr. Ellen holds a PhD in psychology, and she is also a licensed nutritionist, a wellness and life coach, and a mindful self-compassion teacher. In this fascinating episode, you will hear the steps you can take to find and step into your authentic self, embrace your power, and attract more people who will lift you up in your life so that you can be the purposeful self you are meant to be. You'll also hear Dr. Ellen's story of how a messy period in her life led her down on her journey in becoming a work in purpose. Whether you are in your midlife now or are getting there one day, you will get something out of Dr. Ellen's insights that you can begin applying today to start living your best chapters of your life now. So let's begin. Hello, welcome to a work in purpose podcast, Dr. Ellen Albertson. So happy to have you on. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super excited to share with your listeners today about how to find your purpose. Yay, awesome. So you are known as the Midlife Whisperer, and you have a book coming out called Rock Your Midlife. So I guess the first question would be, what is the midlife stage of our life? And what are some of the unique challenges people face during their midlife? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I think that it's still definable. I think that that area is becoming a larger area. What I like to kind of talk about a little bit is second adulthood. So we sort of have this first adulthood where we make a lot of mistakes. We kind of flounder a little bit, then find ourselves and really want to have a second adulthood. In terms of time frame, it's usually kind of considered, I think about it sort of your 40s through your 60s. But I also find, you know, younger people too are kind of at this turning point. So, you know, if you're listening, if you're younger, I know some of your audience is a little bit younger like yourself. It could just kind of be, you find yourself at midlife being like, okay, I don't know who I am or what I'm doing here and how do I find that? And I'm here really to say that, 
when you get to that turning point, you know, and you're sort of afraid to move forward, that's kind of that when you're sort of having a, a crisis and it's really time to open up and do something new. But, you know, technically, I think we think about it as sort of 40s, 50s and 60s. But I find people at all times of life are really kind of in the middle of their life and trying to figure out like, it's not working for me and where do I go next? Mm. And so when they are stuck, like what are some of the signs that, hmm, I need to figure something out else out for this phase of my life? What are some signs that people should look out for? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is is your vibe, right? So when you kind of are aimless, you don't know where you're going, you can feel you don't have a lot of energy, you're not excited about getting up in the morning, you don't know exactly what to do. It's kind of like you're in this constant groundhog day. I don't know if you've seen that movie with Eddie Murray, where he wakes up every day and it's the same thing and you go through the same thing and you're asking yourself, what am I doing here? You know, who am I? I mean, I think sometimes we go after kind of pleasures, right? We think, oh, you know, success means I'm going to make a lot of money and have all of these like nice things, cars and go out to eat and travel and all this stuff. But then you get to a place where you're not feeling very satisfied. and You're kind of trying to figure out like, what am I doing here? It's sort of this existential crisis of like, how do I connect with my passion and purpose? I want to feel alive. I feel like I want to feel like I'm making a difference in the world. I want to get to that place of flow where I'm feeling creative, where my um, gifts are being challenged and I'm sharing those gifts and my creativity with the world. Awesome. So when we are feeling stuck, what are the first things we should do? Like, should we, what should we ask ourselves? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing to do is slow down. I think so often we're just trying to fix everything and we're in like problem solving mode. And so the first thing is to just connect with yourself. And when my book, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Your Life and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter, the first step is really getting to know yourself. And so whether I'm working with a client or as I explained in the book, it's really about looking at what are my strengths? What do I love to do all day? What would I do if money weren't an object? What am I curious about? What did I love to do as a kid? So really figuring out who am I and what do I love? What makes me come alive? So the first step is really getting to know yourself. You know, the second step is getting to love yourself. And I think we have a, you know, a society where we're not always taught to love ourselves. We're kind of taught to beat ourselves up and be super self-critical. But what happens is when you start to love yourself, you get this great energy where you want to live a great life. You want to do what's best for you. And also you stop doing things that insult your soul. So you stop, you know, a lot of times when clients are coming to me, you know, they're leaning into Netflix and alcohol and, you know, food and, uh, you know, shopping and all of these things to get a rise in what's called dopamine, which is the chemical of reward because they're not feeling okay. So that's another sign. You're not feeling okay. But when you love yourself, you start to be like, you know what? I can't keep going down that path. I don't like what's happening to my health. I don't like that, you know, what's happening to my bank account. I know this isn't right for me. I need to make some changes. I'm not sure what, what to do. And the, the thing about getting unstuck is really just taking a square look at where you are right now, because, you know, the strange paradox as Carol Rogers says, is that, you know, when you accept yourself where you are, that's really when you can start to change. So you kind of got to accept where you're at, get to know yourself, get to love yourself. And then you can start to make some shifts and do those things that are going to get you the forward momentum to find your passion and purpose. Mm, sounds great. Are there any common misconceptions about the midlife that you think we should get rid of? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I mean, 
the main thing is, you know, it's like midlife is conjoined with crisis. Like if you put midlife in Google, you cannot, you know, if you go 10 pages forward, you always see crisis. So it's associated with this crisis. And in a lot of ways, that's because we've created like an ego shell around who we're supposed to be. And I think we get to our you know, 40s and 50s. We're looking at this place in our life where there's more time behind us and in front of us. And we're sort of like, gosh, I'm running out of time. But it's not a crisis. It's an opportunity to really get to know yourself, love yourself, empower yourself, you know, connect with your soul, your spirit, and figure out what's next. And then there's also this whole idea that it's the wrong side of 40, this idea that you know, we're not attractive anymore and we're not energetic anymore and that it's all downhill. And I, I'm honestly at 58 having the time of my life. I'm super healthy. I'm in a great new relationship. I love my career. I'm having a blast. So I think that this whole idea of like, it's a terrible time of you know midlife is bunk and that we can really make some changes and make it the best period of our life. Mm, sounds great. So I want to ask you about authenticity. So how does that relate to midlife and how can people reclaim their authenticity to thrive? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, if you think about authenticity, the root of the word is author. So it's really understanding that you are the author, you have control over your life, and you have a lot of power in kind of writing your own life, being the author of your life. And so kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about really getting to know yourself, figuring out who you are. Again, a lot of times we are trying to please other people. So we might like always be putting on a mask, you know, to please somebody else and, you know, showing up in a different way than what is really authentic for us. And so the, you know, the goal of authenticity is to kind of let go of who you're supposed to be. So who society says you're supposed to be, who your parents say you're supposed to be, your peers, and then, you know, really embrace and figure out who the heck am I? What do I really like to do? What am I really, really good at? What makes me come alive? Like for me, one of my things is, you know, I'm a really amazing cook. I was a celebrity chef in the 90s. I'm a dietitian and I just, I'm kind of a genius in the kitchen. My partner is an amazing gardener. I just go out in the back and I gather different produce and I just somehow am able to bring it to life using all kinds of herbs and spices and sauces. And so I know like that's something that I love to do looking at what's that thing that I would do all day long, you know, if I could, where I lose that sense of time. So it's about, you know, being, being yourself and having the, the courage to show up. And the, the root of the word courage is core, which is French for heart. So it's really about following that path of heart, not following everything that society says, this is what you have to do to fit in. You know, this is what success means, but figuring out all of that for yourself and realizing that, you know, no one is youer than you. That's kind of a Dr. Seuss line that I love that there's no one like you. There are, you know, eight and a half billion people on the planet and there's nobody exactly like you and you're here for a reason um, and you're here to let your light shine and to make a difference in the world. So being authentic is really showing up as your true self. And when you do that, you give other people a chance to, to do the same, that we're not competing with each other. It's not about social comparison. It's about each of us being our best self and then also empowering other people to do the same thing. Mm, wow. So I, I imagine when someone is, you know, in their midlife, they have like this, you know, self-imposed identity for so many years now, and they might be reluctant to let that go and reshape their identity. So based on your experience working with clients, how can people kind of push back against their 
I guess, quote unquote, identity to embrace something that's more authentic for themselves? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, there's two ways to go about it. So let's say for imagine, so is there a language that you've been wanting to learn? Just language you've been wanting to learn, French, Spanish, Italian. So imagine there's a language you want, you want to learn. So let's say you want to learn French. So you can say, you know, I'm going to go to Duolingo. I'm going to learn a couple of words a day. And that's how you go about learning French. Or you can just say, you know what? I am just going to book a one-way trip to Paris and I'm going to get an Airbnb and I'm going to live there and I'm going to just have to speak French. So with the whole, you know, breaking out of the shell and being your authentic self, you can do it both ways. Like for me, I kind of blew my life up a bunch. I left a marriage that wasn't working for me, kind of created this new identity as the midlife whisperer, really felt like I was being called to um, lead people into finding themselves, or you can do it in little ways. So maybe you want to, you know, find like-minded people. Maybe you want to join an organization or start by reading some books or kind of experiment with things you like to do as a child. So you can do it like the, you know, the Duolingo way of learning a word every day and just doing little new things. It's, but it's all about taking those steps or you can do really big things and saying, you know what, I've got clients who have literally moved across the world. I have clients who've sold everything and gotten an RV. I have clients who have totally like changed their careers, people who've like written books and that's what they're doing now, you know, really made big radical changes, or you can make small changes. It's really up to you, but you've got to do something. And as you step forward, you start to see those breadcrumbs and then something else happens and something else happens. But if you stay stuck kind of in your fear right? And just not moving forward, then you're never going to connect with your authentic self. Mm, great. So it sounds like breaking out patterns and trying something new is key in general, right? No matter which part of life you're in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a part of that too, is knowing that you do have control over your thoughts and your beliefs. So, you know, we think that what, what our beliefs are all true, but you can really change your beliefs and your thoughts. So just simply being more positive, doing more things that generate positive emotions, the research really shows that that will help you to see more positive things in your life and connect with more of your true self. So there's a, a theory called the broaden and build theory, which is Barbara Fredrickson. And she really found that the more positive emotions you have, the more you broaden and build your ability to see more positive emotions and have more positivity. And I think that really helps you connect with your true self. So getting out of that kind of that, that complaining and negative mode really keeps you stuck because you're looking at problems and you're blaming things on other people or in this, on, you know, on world events, instead of saying, you know what, I have agency, I'm empowered. I'm going to make some changes. Having more of a positive mindset can really help you move forward. Mm, yeah. So what are some like practical things that people can do on a daily basis to get in touch with the positive emotions more? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, do more of the things that light you up and less of the things that drain you. So when I'm working with a client, and this is something I mentioned in my book, Rock Your Midlife, I have people make a list for a day or two of everything you're doing. And as you go through your activities, notice what activities light you up, when are you in flow, where you're in that sense of time kind of stops and you're really enjoying what you're doing and then noticing what's really draining me. So that's a real clear uh, indicator of what you want to do more of. So do more of those things that light you up, that make you happy, that generate positive emotions and less of those things that drain you. Another thing that's really powerful is gratitude. So that's a great way to shift your vibe. So just finding things every day that you're grateful for. So 
no matter where you are in life, there's something to be grateful for. If you are listening to this podcast, you have electricity, you probably have running water, you probably have food. There's a lot to be grateful for. Just being alive, the fact that you exist is something to be grateful for, the people in your life that you love. So practicing gratitude is proven to raise your vibe, to make you happier. That's a really powerful thing to do. Moving your body is great. That's a really easy way to getting exercise is a great way to shift your vibe, to feel more positive. Another technique that I love is called savoring. So when something good happens, you really want to take it in. You want to pause. So if you, you know, something great happens at your workplace or, you know, you hear from a friend or, you know, something happens great with your child take a moment to really take it in. So, you know, Rick Hansen, who is a well-known psychologist, he says that positive emotions are like Teflon. They kind of slide off. Negative emotions are like Velcro that we, you know, they stick. Mm -hmm. So in order to have more of those positive emotions, we have to kind of slough off more of the negative ones. So when they show up, we have to sort of question them, let them go. And then when good things happen, we kind of have to take them in. And I guess a final thing too, is to practice mindfulness, which just means being more present in your life. You can't like find your passion and purpose if you're not paying attention to really what's going on and being present in your life. And the there are just reams of research around how mindfulness and also meditation really helps you with stress anxiety, um, depression, and really also helps you more with that well-being, connecting with your passion and purpose. So I would say meditation, mindfulness is great. And of course, self-compassion, which is just treating yourself the way you would a good friend. So those are just a couple of uh, techniques that anybody can use. They're all free that you can get into a daily habit of practicing to really uh, live a very high vibe life. Great. Wow. Thank you. So you brought up the magic word purpose. And I want to ask you, so for someone in their midlife, they've been living for so long, why would you say they need a purpose? What are the benefits of having a purpose and discovering it? Well, I think that that's really what we're here for, right? And I think, you know, particularly the world's a mess right now. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, you just need to look at the news and between what's happening in the environment, what's happening politically, what's happening with the virus, the world is a mess right now. And I think that each and every single one of us is here to make a difference in that. So whether that is, you know, working in a soup kitchen, giving money to some place that is really struggling right now, having less, you know, being like living lighter on the earth. So finding out, gosh, what, you know, finding out what am I upset about instead of complaining about it, figuring out that is a clue to what your purpose is. So, I mean, your purpose, I mean, there's a, it's called your ikigai in, in J- Japanese is really what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like who doesn't want to wake up, you know, joyful, energized and excited to start your day. So it's in this, in this present moment where you're at, it can give you so much juice to go about your life and to live such a beautiful life so that, you know, when you get to the end of your life, you look back and you don't have any regrets and you think, wow, I just really did rock my, you know, my twenties, my thirties, my midlife. I had an amazing life. And I made a huge difference in the world. I can't think of, you know, something that's more important than having a purpose and making a difference in the world and making the world a better place. Right now, I feel like everything is getting 
kind of, you know, everything is spiraling kind of out of control, but it's spiraling forward. And it's showing each of us that there are things that we can do. I feel for me, my purpose is so much is to wake people up, particularly women at midlife and say, Hey, you've got wisdom, you know, you've got resources, you have knowledge, uh, you can inspire other people. There's so much that you can do. Find something that uh, lights you up and do it and let that lead you to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. If each of us did that, we would be more content inside and we wouldn't need to put other people down. We wouldn't need to lean into, you know, buying things so much and buying food and things to try to feel okay. And the, and the world, you know, will start to, is starting to shift as we all do our part. So it's, I think it's really what finding your purpose is really what life's all about. Yeah. So what would you say are some practical things that people can do when they're thinking about, hmm, what is my purpose to really pinpoint what their purpose is and, and then step into it? Yeah. Well, I think some of the things I said before, so it's just figuring out like who you are, mm-hmm. what makes me authentic, where, when am I comfortable, you know, in, when, in terms of groups So knowing yourself and knowing where you fit in and where you stand out, what you love to do, connecting with your creativity. You know, if you're listening and thinking, gosh, I'm not creative. That's, that's bunk. Every human being is creative. We are creating all the time. We are creating our lives. We are creating meals. You know, we are, you know, creating posts. So thinking about what lights you up, where are you creative? So that's the first step is really being authentic. And that's the first step in my book. The second step is loving yourself, loving yourself enough so that you want to live a big, beautiful life. You know, the third step is really energizing yourself. So if you want to, you know, find your purpose, you've got to have energy. If you're tired all the time, you're not taking care of your body, you're not eating right, moving your body, exercising, dealing with stress, you don't have the energy, you're just in survival rather than thrive mode, right? So you have to take care of your body. The fourth step is working on your mind. So what we were talking about before about staying positive, working on, you know, being focused, figuring out really the things that you can do to move forward in your life. You know, the fifth step is empowerment. So figuring out what brings me power, not power from without, but power from within. How do I connect with my authentic self, my power? The the seventh step is your relationship. So looking at, you know, what relationships keep me stuck? Who are those people in my life who kind of put me in a box and tell me I have to do this and I have to do that, which get in the way of my purpose? And who are those people in my life who, who are saying, yeah, come on, let's do this thing. You're awesome. I want to support you. How can I help you? So relationships are super important. And then finally, the my last step in my seven steps is enlightenment. So really your connection with, God, source, spirit, whatever you call the divine, that connection is really, you know, inside of you and and outside of us, we're part of all that is having that divine connection, having that divine spark and kind of taking off those lampshades and saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm here for. This is what I love to do. And I don't really care if other people don't like it. That's okay. There are eight and a half billion people on the planet. Not everybody has to like me, but I'm going to find my tribe. I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to do my thing and uh, make a difference in the world. Great. Thank you. So I want to go back to your point about power. How does one know what that feels like once they find their true power and how can, how can people identify what their power is? Wow. That's a really good question. I mean, I think initially we can even think about power and feeling it in terms of our posture. So emotions are felt experiences in the body. So people are listening, like you can hunch over 
like really hunch over in your chair and get really small and notice how you feel. And then you can do like the victory, you know, put your arms up and notice how you feel. And so thinking about times in your life where you are more in that sort of yang, powerful, initiating, motivational, inspiring place. So connecting with, you know, other people who inspire you, who you feel are powerful. Reading autobiographies can be really helpful. You know, joining various Facebook groups. I think we all need motivation, support, getting a coach. But I think we know it, you know, you feel it in your being, right? When you're on the right path and, you know, you get to this point when you're really on the path and you have found your, your passion and purpose where you stop doubting and every day is just sort of another step in the right direction. Like I'm, you know, in the process of doing this book. And so it's not, I don't have to think about, gosh, what's next for me. It's like, okay, I'm finishing this chapter today. And now I'm like working on the cover and now I'm working on the publicity. And now I'm working on getting the word out with podcasts. So things start to, to organically unfold when you really are living your purpose and you're really in that powerful place, as opposed to a disempowered place where you're always kind of in uh, fear and self-doubt and like looking to other people for direction instead of looking within. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a vibe. Like I said, when you, you feel that you're in that victory place where you're feeling powerful or that yang stance in martial arts, where you feel empowered and you feel kind of fierce. Mm, great. And now I want to ask about relationship. So like, I, I think the easy part is like letting toxic negative people go, but how do you attract positive like-minded people who have a sense of purpose into your life? What can we do to find them and, and, and connect with them? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, really like attracts like. So that's the basis of the law of attraction. So if you are putting yourself out there and doing positive things, you're going to attract, you know, more positive people. So I think also, you know, getting engaged with organizations and groups, whether that's online or that's in your, you know, face-to-face day-to-day reality, they're doing positive things. So volunteer, like I do hospice volunteering, which is one thing that is part of my purpose, changing the way we look at death and helping people through that, that period of their lives. And I meet amazing people. You know, I'm, I'm part of on Instagram, there's just incredible midlife women who are doing everything from letting their hair turn silver and they're all supporting each other, getting fit at 50, you know, inspiring each other. So, you know, you can even just use hashtags like inspiration or motivation and just finding people that you resonate with. And then, you know, being okay with letting the people go who drag you down, just noticing again, energetically, who are the people that I'm with, who complain all the time, who, you know, put me down, who tend to, you know, not see me uh, as this passionate, purposeful person, and who are the people who really support me and love me and I enjoy being with. So I think that's something that happens, you know, at midlife, we, I think at various times in life when we're transforming we really um, start to attract people who are resonating with who we are. And then we have to let go of some relationships that, that don't work in our life anymore. Great. And so the last tip you mentioned is about uh, connection with your spirituality, spirit, so consciousness source, uh, what it's called. How, so, so for people who aren't spiritual already, how should they go about it and... I was assumed their mind will get in the way and try to convince them, oh, that's not logical, blah, blah, blah. So like, what can people do to overcome that and still accept spirituality into their life? 
well, first of all, change your, change your thoughts because you are spiritual. We are spirit in, you know, you can look at it and say, I'm a human and I maybe go to church and have a spiritual experience, or you can say, I'm a soul having a human experience. So sort of changing your thinking and realizing like you're a miracle. Like the fact that billions and billions of years ago, there was this big bang and these stars formed and that we came from, we were basically made of hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen, right? And we're just these, it's amazing to be alive. So just sort of take in the miracles that is life itself and that we are alive and that we are talking and that you're listening to this and you're taking in these words. When you start to see how amazing life is and that everything is a miracle, you start to really connect with that sense of spirit, that sense of, of wonder, you know, that everything really is a miracle, even as difficult as life is. And with all of the, the challenges that our world is facing, the fact that, you know, we're on this rock, right? Third rock from the sun that's spinning around, you know, so rapidly. And there's this thing called gravity that's keeping us here. And that human beings have this consciousness. It's pretty mind boggling. So I don't, you know, you can get kind of lost in thinking about how, amazing it is to be alive. You know, I think that the easiest way to connect with spirit is to just get quiet, spend some time. You can meditate if you'd like, you can, you know, spend time in nature. I love to swim, you know, doing things, listening to music, find where is that place where you find inner peace. And, you know, and if you're looking to connect with God's source spirit, just ask, just be like, okay, God, I know you're kind of out there and I'm not sure what you are, but can you help me figure this out? And then be open to what shows up in your life. And you might be surprised. I know I did that in my twenties and it was like, wow, spirit was there. Things started happening, coincidences in my life that let me like, you know, something like on tapping me on the shoulder saying, Yep, we're here. It's happening. It's really, really is a reality. We, you know, are very much in this sort of 2D world, but there's a whole 3D world out there to explore. So the bottom line is that you are already spiritual. And it's just bringing more of that out, bringing more of the sacred, even, you know, even food, thinking about, my gosh, this food came from the sun. Everything that is alive came from the sun. It's kind of mind boggling. So to, to just reading is great too. Inspiration, uh, inspirational books, podcasts, music. There's so many wonderful ways to connect with spirit. Yeah, there are nowadays. It's amazing. So I'm really curious. So I'm sure you, so you work with a lot of women in their midlife and help them find their purpose. So are there any like particular stories that you can share of how they made that transition, transformation? Yeah. Let me think who, okay. So I have one client who I adore and she grew up literally, she came to me and she was really struggling with most of my clients when they initially come with me, they're struggling with usually eating an alcohol and mm. it's not like they're alcoholics and they're drinking like three, three bottles of wine, but you know, just a glass or two of Chardonnay and cheese and the pounds are packing on and they're feeling really kind of depressed. And so that's often my clients come to me. And so we start figuring out what it is that they love, uh, what they loved as a kid. So this particular client grew up next to a circus. She grew up, her parents actually had an amusement park. And as a kid, she loved circus. She would like dress up as a clown. She'd hang out with a trapeze artist. And she just was in this wonderful world of circus. So thinking about like, what did you love to do as a kid? So that's one of the things I start with. Like for me, it was all about dance. I love to dance. It made me feel so joyful and alive. It still does. So we started exploring that and, you know, we started, she started 
incorporating circus into her life. So she started, she went to circus school. So she did like a weekend circus camp, got in shape, actually went out on the trapeze. She wrote a book about her experience with circus. She started bringing in circus memorabilia. Now she does like public speaking and videos and things. And then she incorporates circus into her life. And so she's, it's not her total purpose, but like her part of her purpose is to bring joy and pleasure to other people's lives. And one of the vehicles to do that is circus. You know, I have another client who was working in nonprofit, working for a number of nonprofits. And she did a combination of two things. She did some traveling. She actually met somebody and she moved to Australia, which was just phenomenal. Like she was just like feeling like Cinderella out there in Australia. She had a dream of starting her own business. And now she actually helps other people in nonprofit, you know, and, and coaches them. And she's really loving doing her own business. I have a lot of clients who have you know, found their passion and purpose through writing a book and that has opened doors. But the key point is that you have to start. So, you know, connect with those breadcrumbs from your childhood, from your teens, your twenties, what courses did you love as a kid? When was the first time you, you know, saw an adult doing something and you were like, oh my God, I want to do that when I grow up and then start to do those things and be open to what shows up for you and face your fears. You know, I think a lot of times we are so comfortably uncomfortable doing the same old thing. Our brains are not designed to make us happy. Our brains are not designed to help us find our passion and purpose. They're designed to keep us safe and keeping that same old boring job, staying in that, you know, dead end relationship, having that threesome with Ben and Jerry's and not working on your health and well-being. We're safe, but in stepping outside that, that is a little scary. So a good way to connect with your passion and purpose, get started is start to do some things that scare you. And maybe that means like you go on a roller coaster ride or you, you know, jump off a cliff into water or you, you know, book a trip on a vacation, you got to start somewhere and get unstuck. And, and that will help to open doors for what's next for you. Wow. So let's say someone does do those things that scare them. And then, you know, they get a drill of it, but then they revert back to their comfortable lifestyle. And then that's it. They don't, it didn't really stick with them. Do you find that to be the case for a lot of people? And what can they do about it if that's Sometimes I find that around, you know, I don't find it if people are really moving from their heart, if they're doing the courageous thing, following the path with heart, you start to feel so good that you don't go back. I think, you know, sometimes it happens. Like I've seen people like what I see sometimes is, is people do things like dietary change to lose like weight loss, for example, weight loss is really looked at as a temporary thing. But if you take a look more and you really look at the health journey as um, something that's in alignment with your core values. Like I love my kids and I want to be here for them. You know, I want to be a good example for them. If you line it with your values, if you really do some deep work, I generally see people moving forward, not backwards, particularly people who work with me, who follow me, who really want to make a difference. Because once you taste how good it is, you don't want to go back. Like for me, you know, I was living like a, a caged jungle tiger and now I'm a free tiger and there's no way I'm going back to that caged life. So I, I think that when you feel how good it is and you connect with your true self and you see that the things that you were scared of were just figments of your imagination, you don't go back. Mm. Yeah, that's very encouraging to hear. Thank you. So now I'm really interested in hearing about your journey and your journey towards your purpose. So where would you say you are at on your journey towards your purpose now? Have you found it, working towards it, living it, embodying it? What would you say? Oh, I'm living and embodying it. Yeah, no, I am. I am having, I am rocking my midlife. I am my personal life. 
is amazing. I live on a wonderful romantic island in the Champlain Islands of Vermont. I have an amazing partner. My health is awesome. We have adventures all the time. We, you know, we just, I'm just having so much fun. And, you know, in terms of my purpose, I'm inspiring other women. You know, maybe women aren't going to do as much as I'm doing or do what I'm doing. But, you know, it's just very inspiring to see that I'm helping other women. When I see women, I had a client the other day and she was, you know, she shifted her life a lot, but it showed up in her physicality. Like it showed up, you know, most of my clients are kind of on the cusp of 50 and her, her fat, body fat percentage was way down. Her doctor was like, what happened? And it was really like her, she, she got out of this sort of cortisol shit storm, this sort of always chasing stress, being stressed and tired and being a people pleaser. And she's, you know, I see these people who are so happy now and the sky's the limit. And so it's just such a joy. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to changing the way people perceive midlife, to see midlife as a really rich, beautiful time where you get 25, 30, 40 years to really enjoy. I'm empty nest now. My kids are 20 and 24 and I love them dearly, but, you know, they're on their own journey and I've got space, I've got time. So I am definitely embodying it. I am living my passion and purpose, both personally and professionally. Wow, that's amazing that you're living and embodying a purpose now. But where, how did your journey first started for you to even start thinking about your purpose? Was there like a aha moment or a low point in your life which made you kind of question everything? I've had a lot of those, actually. You know, I, I like to think about astrology. We have the Saturn return. So every... 29 and a half years or so Saturn goes around the sun. So when Saturn's going around, you know, you're hitting your Saturn return when you're about 29 and a half or where I'm right now at 58 or so, what happens is it's kind of like wake up a big wake up call from the universe to get serious about like what's next. So, you know, I kind of got off my path in my twenties and followed this very um, conventional, it had a lot of, it had a lot of good aspects to it, but, you know, got married, had the kids, had the house in the suburbs. This was everything that I'd been taught that success was. And then I totally was like, this is not my trajectory. I did not like the person I was married to. I was not happy. I didn't want to be with that person anymore. And although it was very secure. And when you're in a 25 year marriage, you're very dug in. There's a lot of, you know, financial fears, fear of being on your own. I left. And so that was a big turning point for me to say, you know, this is not who I want to be. And it's taken me about four years to become the person that I am today, where I feel really great about myself and really, really love my life and the people in my life and the work that I'm doing. So kind of this, these reckoning points were at that 29 and a half where I kind of got off my path, got on a different path that was some aspects of it were, were of me and some weren't. And now I feel like I'm really, really authentic and living the way that I want to live on my terms. Mm. So going back to that transitional period, when you, you know, decided to get divorced and things were very vague and ambiguous. How, what, what did you do to figure out who you wanted to be today? And what, did you have any missteps? Like, how did you figure out which path to take? And yeah. Oh, it was a mess. Oh. It was a mess. It was definitely dark night of the soul, you know, where everything falls apart. I just knew that I just did not want, I didn't want to be in this relationship anymore. I was, I had grown a lot and we're kind of grown apart. I think for me, the big thing really was self-compassion. So I was fortunate enough to learn self-compassion it was the topic for my PhD in psychology. I did my dissertation on um, body image and women and self-compassion. So I met Kristen Neff, who is the pioneer in this area, studied self-compassion, basically 
I think of it as the how of self-love. And as I love myself, I couldn't do things that insulted my soul anymore. I couldn't be in a relationship where I was um, mentally abused, where I was yelled at, where I was criticized, where I did not feel loved and supported. And so that jungle tiger came out and was like, and that was like, just, I'm out of here. And, and so, but I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I got in relationships that weren't great. My retina detached three times and I literally went blind. Um, You know, I had a lot of ups and downs before, you know, it took me, like I said, about four years and changes professionally to get to where I am now. But that's part of what happens. It's kind of like, you know, a chick breaking out of the shell. If they don't break out of the shell, they'll die. Basically the chick starts to peck because they are running out of food. And you can't help the chick. If you help the chick get out of the shell, if you're like, oh, I'll just break this little shell open for you. They're not going to develop their physicality to the level that they need to. But if you've ever seen a chick when they come out, they're just wet and exhausted. They're just like a tired, you know, tired mess. So, you know, sometimes you go through that hot mess stage, Mm. especially if you're going to do the, I'm moving to Paris and learning French versus I'm going to learn a couple words every day, but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, most of my clients don't blow up their lives and make huge changes. We kind of prototype things and move more slowly, but sometimes that does happen to people where they have big changes like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you have like a North star of where you wanted to go that kind of propel you forward that kind of prevent you from thinking, Oh, I made a mistake. And, and it was so comfortable back then. Now I don't know what I'm doing. Everything's a mess. So like, how did you stay focused and propel yourself forward? That's a great question. Well, I had lots of fears and doubts and there were times like, oh my God, why did you do this to yourself? I mean, part of it is that you burn your doors, right? You burn your doors, you burn your bridges. So there is no going back. And, you know, there's the self-compassion. I think that's a big piece of when you're going through things, treating yourself like a good friend. So having had that resource, that ability, because self-compassion is literally like a muscle, something that you can learn and develop. So I think that was a big piece of me going forward. And I had a supportive friends and family, you know, the people who were truly my friends supported me, my family supported me. So I was able to, to move forward and create a life that is ultimately um, very satisfying. Awesome. So at the time you were getting a PhD in psychology, right? When that happened? Uh, no, I had already gotten the PhD. Okay. I was done with the PhD. Yeah. I was already a PhD psychologist. Okay. And so, so you were... Uh, professional psychologist at the point when, when it happened? No, I was coaching. So I'm not, I mean, I'm a professional. So I guess if you think about it as coaching. So when I, you know, left, I was, I had a coaching business. Mm, okay. <laughs> Did you always know that that was your purpose to coach people? What was that journey like for you to have that aha moment? Um, no, because there wasn't such a thing as coaching really back way back when, you know, coaching is a relatively new field. I found coaching because I was working as a personal fitness trainer. So I was, I was a dietitian and then I was a journalist and then my ex-husband and I were celebrity chefs and we wrote books and had a national syndicated radio show. Then I became a personal fitness trainer. So I had a lot of things in why I was a personal fitness trainer. And partially when I was a clinical dietitian, I was noticing that people were not making change. And I actually was at a training to be a something for being a fitness trainer. And I met someone and he's like, you should, you should try coaching. Like you'd be a really good coach. And he told me about well coaches. So I became a coach and coaching has been fabulous and coaching led me to get my PhD in psychology. And so that's how I became a coach. And I, I love coaching. I think coaching is a fantastic profession for people who are really interested in self-development and helping other people. 
I'm a Sag, so I'm all about like, you know, finding your passion, finding your purpose, really rocking your life. And so I, I love, love, love coaching. It's very different than therapy. Therapy is, you know, really helping people heal what's wrong in their lives. And the therapy is awesome and super important. Things like trauma, depression, anxiety, but coaching looks at the person as being whole. And the coaching is like, I know you're that seed and I am here to help you water it and fertilize it, shine sunlight on it. And let's see where it grows. Wow. I love how you put that. So it sounds like you've always been into helping people to grow, being a nutritionist and fitness personal trainer, but how did you even began on that path before that, before you became um, a trainer? Well, I became first became a dietitian just because I was trying to transform my life. And I had, well, the dietitian was kind of interesting because I was kind of obsessed with being thin and felt like if I became a dietitian, I'd learn everything about food and have peace around calories and food and weight. And of course it made things worse. It was a whole journey of me learning self-compassion to make peace with my body. The personal fitness trainer thing, and this is, you know, if you're listening, finding your purpose, look for those signs. I literally got a postcard in the mail. I was kind of looking for my next chapter after my ex-husband and I stopped what we were doing as celebrity chefs. And I got a postcard to be a personal fitness trainer because they sent it out to dietitians with just bulk mail. And I was like, oh, I've always been a jock. Like I always, I ran in, you know, I ran track, I did gymnastics. I love to exercise. And I thought this could be fun. So I did the training and I, you know, knocked on Gold's gym down the street from us where I worked out and started working with people and loved it. Cool. And then was there a point when you realized, oh yeah, that's my purpose or was that something you realized looking back? Well, I think whenever, whenever I am in my purpose, I'm realizing it's my purpose. And then when something isn't challenging anymore, or I need a break from it, then I re- then there's not something new. So like right now, I'm kind of curtailing my coaching. I mean, I'm still open to some clients, but I've really, uh, I'm being you know particular with the people that I work with right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm only working with a few people and I'm really focusing more on my book right now. So I find like, where is my energy right now? And my energy, I can, I, I, I can sense that I'm moving forward and I'm always wanting to be challenged. So, you know, once I've done something, I'm kind of on to doing something new and always growing and learning. So just listening to my, my inner self, that, that again, that courage of listening to your heart. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much. Now we'd like to go to a lightning round where, just, I'm, where I'm just going to ask you some short rapid fire questions and you can answer as short or as long as you want. Are you ready? Okay, sure. Yeah. What is one thing you like to do to relax? Color. Oh, what's one thing you like to do for fun? Uh, swim. Mm. What is one thing that makes you enthusiastic? Dancing. And what is one habit you always do for a great day? Meditate first thing in the morning and nice. do my, my uh, five Tibetans. Five Tibetans. It's, you can Google it, but it's five different exercises that you do 21 times each that helps you to get your chakras moving in the right direction, spinning. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I'll check that out. What is one habit you are working on? Oh my God. Being more organized. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I am not organized. Cool. And what is the most important lesson you've ever learned? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, just be yourself. Nobody can tell you you're doing it wrong. And what is the book that changed your life? Oh my gosh, that is a really hard one. I really have to, I, I don't have one single book that, that did it. Um, What's the first one? I'm trying to think of, 
the first one that comes to mind, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say The Little Princess, because that was the first book that I, I learned to read. I had um, dyslexia and learning disabilities when I was a kid, and I couldn't learn, read, and I couldn't read. And then that was the book that clicked for me. So that was a book that changed my life in a really good way. I know it sounds really strange, but it's a good book. What was that about that book that clicked? It was just, it was just where I learned to, I, all of a sudden I could read like one moment I couldn't read. I mean, I was my, you know, tutor was teaching me and working on me. It actually happened to be my mom. I was her master's thesis and something clicked. I got into the story, lost sense of time. And um, yeah. And I think I would say the latest book I've read that's been awesome is the, the book Breathe by James Nestor. And breathing is really a powerful tool for people who are listening to help you to connect with your true self and have more energy and be healthier. So that's a new, awesome book that I've read yeah. recently. Do you do breath work? I do. I do. Yeah. Which style do you uh, do more often? Uh, lately I've been doing the, the, the four, seven, eight, uh, Andrew Wiles. And I like box breathing, which is four, four, four. So mm-hmm. those are kind of two and belly breathing is always really good too. Yeah. The breath work. Cool. If you're not doing what you are doing today, what would you be doing instead? What would I be doing instead? You know, I like to be doing some philanthropy. I just see so many problems in the world, particularly with women who are really struggling and also just teaching people how to eat right. I'm a dietitian and it's part of what I do, but our food supply is a mess. Um, You know, everything is processed and there's, you know, the food industry has taken our taste buds um, hostage with sugar, fat, salt. So, you know, maybe that's something I'll do for my next, my next purpose, right? Mm. After I finish this chapter is make a difference in how people eat and how people treat their bodies and not looking at uh, lifestyle change as a punishment, but looking at it as a joy. That's actually really, really fun and can taste awesome. Mm, awesome. Cool. And how would you describe your ideal life? I'm living it, baby. <laughs> I'm living it. I am. I'm just, I get up. I have an amazing partner, you know, spend a little time doing spiritual work, go downstairs and either work with clients or do some writing work or do some posting and sharing with people, do some exercise, yoga, meditation, swim, kayak, bike, go out to my garden and pick lunch, work a little bit more and maybe do a little bit more movement exercise and read, relax, spend some time with my partner and do it again the next day. So I don't think I'd add to that is, you know, hopefully things will change with the pandemic and there'll be some travel there because I um, would really like to do some traveling and some touring and sharing around my book. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That does sound like a perfect day. (laughs) Nice. And how do you define purpose? Purpose. Doing what lights you up and what you're here to do to make a difference in the world. Great. And lastly, do you have any requests you would like our listeners to do? requests other than check out my book rock your midlight seven steps to transform yourself and make your next chapter your best chapter connect with me on social and the midlife whisperer so you can find me on instagram on facebook but mainly you know if you're stuck get some help so there are coaches out there there are therapists there are friends there are books you are here for a reason so if you are stuck you're listening maybe this is your sign to get off your duff Get unstuck. Do one small thing today that's going to make a difference in your life and uh, your future self will thank you for it. Yeah, great advice. Thank you. And I'll make sure to include all the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Dr. Ellen Albertson, for being a part of a Working Purpose podcast. Well, thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. It has been my pleasure. Thank you. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Dr. Ellen, the midlife whisperer, and that you are now motivated with the tools and insights to rock the next chapter of your life and make it the best chapter yet. If you'd like to find out more about Dr. Ellen and be notified when her book Rock Your Midlife comes out, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, tell your friends about it, and rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. It would really mean a lot to me. And um, if you're new to this podcast, welcome. I really encourage you to listen to our past episodes. May your present moment, now and forever, be filled with light, love, and joy. Until next time, this is Wing, and thank you for listening to A Work in Purpose.